Welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where we strip away the layers to show you what it takes to achieve a healthy body and brain in 20 minutes. I'd like to invite you to go over to BareNakedHealthPodcast.com to take your free brain quiz today to see where the health of your brain lies. And for taking the quiz, you will get a free copy of my book, The Four Morning Secrets to Perfect Brain Health, shipped to your door. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horaski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 30. In today's episode, I speak with a good friend of mine and student of oriental medicine and owner of Trinity Massage, Tim McCormick. Be sure to stick around for the end to hear what rabbit holes we dive down. When we get together to talk, you never can tell. So enjoy. Alrighty guys, welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast and with me today I have a good friend of mine, Tim McCormick. Uh, Tim, is, Tim has been, I know, on an interesting health journey but I want to I let him talk about it. I want to see uh, what he has to say and learn about his health journey in 10 sentences or less. So Tim, you want to take the floor here? Let's hear about it. Oh man, 10 sentences is a, kind of a challenge when it comes to my journey. I think you can do it. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I, honestly, I think the, the key word would be process, you know. It's been a, pro- a process and it's been gradual at times, just little by little, you know. For, uh, and, and I would say uh, introspection would be another good word because, um, you know, a journey of health, it takes a lot of looking at yourself and seeing what you resonate with and seeing, uh, you know, with all the information that's out there. Should I be a vegetarian? Should I be a vegan? Should I have a paleo diet? Should I, you know, on and on and on, whatever it is. Should I fast? Should I drink only shakes? Should I have a just liquid? You know, all these crazy diets that are out there. I mean, let's be honest, they, they all work for some people. So it's really about finding your resonance with with your journey and uh, and at which stage you are in that journey. And, and I guess that's, that's how I would sum up mine because it's still it's still going on. And I don't expect it to ever really end. And that kind of excites me to know that at, at, at 90 or 100, I'll still be adapting to my environment and finding what resonates with me as far as what my health is at that, at that time in my life. So I don't know if that was 10 sentences. but I, I think you got you, – you, but you hit it like – it's an ever-evolving process, and I, and I love to hear that. But what is, what is it that's resonating with you at the current time? Like, where are you on your health journey as we're speaking today? Right today, it, it, would, it would kind of, I could, I could take it out into more abstract uh, view of health. And I would say that right at this moment, um, I'm going through a lot of changes in my life right now. I just moved to the, back to the East Coast, and... I have an internship in Chinatown, so I'm all over. I'm in, I'm in New York City. I'm doing a lot of public transportation. And so my journey for health right now is bringing me to a place to really explore what my uh, time management is. And uh, time management, not necessarily something that you think about first when you, when you think health, but um, I think it's huge. You know, I think it's a huge aspect. And uh, you know, how do I get enough sleep? Like, am I actually planning my day so that I'm setting myself up to be healthy? And I'm setting myself up to be successful 
in, in what I want to accomplish. Um, and so with all the changes that I'm going through right now, it's, uh, that's, that's big. And, and I'm on, I'm on week three of living on the East coast and, uh, and I'm just about nailed it down. I think Monday, Monday will be, will be a good test, uh, to see this week. So, you know, a lot of the things that, that I study. And please expand on your studies, like share with everybody kind of what you're studying, uh, what you're going to school for, everything like that, please. Yeah. So right now, uh, doing a doctoral program, uh, halfway through two years into a four year doctoral program in, uh, in Chinese medicine. So TCM is, is a uh, traditional Chinese medicine. There was a push a couple of years back, maybe, I don't know. I haven't heard of it recently, but I'm sure, I'm sure some people are still pushing to call it TEAM, traditional East Asian medicine, just because it incorporates so much, you know, there's the Ayurvedic tradition, uh, which kind of developed around the same time as Chinese medicine. And there's a big debate as to which came first. Obviously, everybody wants to be first, but, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's uh, Southeast Asian uh, medicine. There's How do each of these differ? Do you want to expand upon that a little bit for the audience? Yeah, I probably wouldn't be the best one to ask about that. I haven't had a chance to explore other traditions. As because they, your schooling is already kind of com combined with all of them then, right? It's, it's, it's a little, yeah, it's combined. I mean, there's aspects of everything. And my school actually has an, an Ayurvedic uh, certification uh, that they just launched this year. So they're, uh, they're kind of embracing that, which I, which I really like. But we have supervisors in the clinic and professors who practice uh, Japanese-style acupuncture, uh, there's other supervisors who practice Korean style, um, and, and they all have, I mean, even north and, and south of China have different styles, and they all work, is the interesting part, right? And so, they all work, and, and I think the wisdom of the medicine, or the wisdom of the practitioner is to, is to discern which aspect of the medicine is right for the patient at the right time. Right, you can't go just needling deep and, and a Korean or, or you know, like a, a, a Chinese style deep acupuncture treatment on a 90 year old woman with um, you know Parkinson's or something. You know, you can't do that. You would have to use a, a more superficial treatment so that the body was actually able to handle the treatment and you wouldn't be more detrimental than, than, than helpful. So, yeah, I guess that's, that's a long, a long winded way of saying. Uh, you know, what I'm studying is really medicine from an Asian perspective. Now, you talked about uh, acupuncture in there, but what what are other things that you do? as, as a, Like, again, TCM or uh, the East Asian medicine, e either way, like, what does that all encompass then? Yeah, so it's kind of uh, what brought me into this field was just, I guess, kind of goes back to my journey, too, is, is, is what resonates, you know. Um, I started off sports medicine and as a personal trainer, and um, and then I was a, a PT aide, as, as you very well know, and uh, I was your aide actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, kind of my my ten second story for that is, I mean, I loved it. I loved the environment that that I, every environment that I worked in. I learned something from, you know, and I took I took a little bit from everything. And I think it was great that people were willing to offer me things to take with me. And the biggest thing that I took is the people that made 
uh, you know, take the physical therapy environment, the people that, that show up every time, whether it be two, three times a week or, you know, whatever, whatever their prescribed uh, frequency is, and they do the work in the clinic, but then they, they go home and they do the work at home as well. They do the, they change the diet, they change the lifestyle. They have, they have difficult conversations with friends and spouses and children that, you know, this, these actions that, that, that we're, that we're engaging in aren't emotionally healthy for me. And that's, and that's taxing my spirit and my soul. Like these, the people that would, would go home and have those conversations and make those lifestyle changes and, and then incorporate healthier foods and foods that were better interactive with their, with their metabolic type, they got healthier and better quicker than the people who either A, didn't show up or only showed up and, uh, and did, did the work halfway, you know. And so that got me thinking just how, you know, and this was before holistic was really the buzzword of the day, just how holistic human beings really are, right? And and how we have to. I mean, if we if we want to if we want to accomplish health, then we have to address all aspects of the human. And so we need to look in not just the body uh, and not just the mind, but also the spirit. And we have to address all three levels uh, if, if optimal health is what we're after. If if living pain free is what we're after, then we might be able to get away with one or two of those. Um, and then and then optimal health, though. If we, if we really want to be the best version of ourselves, we have to address everything. Right? Well, what does optimal health look like for you? Yeah, good question. And it, it could be you or it's even maybe like a vision that you have for people, like as a global, like as a world perspective of optimal health for everybody even. Yeah, I, I think just living un, unrestricted. Right. What do you mean think, by unrestricted? I think that would kind of unrestricted in the sense of physical, mental, and and spiritual. Right. Uh, unrestricted. Like if I want to, you know, jump over this fence that's right next to me, I can go do it. You know, if I have to get out to, because something is chasing me, I can do that. So that's physically restricted. Would be, oh, I don't know. I can't get away. I can't jump over the fence. Uh, you know, if I if I try to make that movement, I know my back's going to go out or my knee is going to hurt when I land on the other side or, you know, that, that would be physical restrictions, right? And we can, can almost take that and say, in that example, the fence is almost like uh, some sort of prison, right? And you can, you can take that in a mental sense as well, you know? I want to get out of this area that I'm in mentally, but I'm afraid because I know something bad might happen on the other side, right? And so that's a mental restriction, right? And then, and, and with mental restrictions, that can that can weigh down on, on on that spirit level, and and we can restrict ourselves spiritually and not let ourselves grow to kind of expand and be all that we can be. I mean, that that's got to be one of the saddest things in the world is is to see somebody with so much potential not not be able to accomplish it because they're self restricting. Right? Now, what what types of restrictions have you had to overcome yourself, or common ones that you'll see like working in the clinic, just that you see on a daily basis with uh, patients as well? Yeah, there, there's a lot of self. I don't know the exact word for it, but just um, a lot of people who take take things in their past and they and they blame themselves. So self blame, I guess you could say, right? And it might just be the culture that we that we're raised in, or yeah, just I mean, just the paradigms that we view the world through, right? And without trying to think outside of those paradigms, uh, we end up just imprisoning ourselves in our own uh, emotional states, right? 
Um, so some common things. I don't really know if I can get too specific. And it's tough because, again, every every patient's going to be different. Every person that you work with would be different. So, no, I yeah. understand. But I think that, that self-blame or like lack of self-love is something that's commonly seen. And it's it's a difficult challenge to overcome. And I think because you said just what we're surrounded with. That's all we've grown up knowing. And to be able to switch that mindset over to being unrestricted, where we've always been restricted with what we eat, with uh, the people we hang out with, with when we go to bed, whatever it may be, that can be a lot to overcome then for sure. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, Tim, let's, let's even switch gears a little bit. Now, Talk to us. I know you have uh, your own business, Trinita Massage, too. Mm. Now, what what all do you do in there? Like, do you offer specific types of massage? Uh, do you offer like some of the like lifestyle counseling with that? Or what is, what is that really centered around? Yeah. So actually, the the idea for that was based on really what we just last talked about with the, that the three levels of, of of the human being, right? The body, mind, and the spirit, uh, and that's where the Trinity comes from. And also, I kind of pulled from. From the Christian tradition of uh, obviously Trinity is is uh, generally used as a Christian word, and that's one of the things that struck me is is that concept of a Trinity uh, is not just reserved for the Christian tradition, but but that Christian tradition also encompasses Trinity. I wouldn't say to a greater extent, but but to me it, it resonates with me right in that they the the Father, Son, and the Spirit right. And the son is the body. We have we have physical. We have mental, which is the father, which who speaks to us is is, is how it's taught. And then the spirit. There's the soul. It's the spiritual aspect, right? And so that God is actually encompassed in uh, as as one being in in three distinct persons. It looks a lot like a human being to me, right? And that we have those three aspects. Now, in in the TCM tradition, there's earth, man, and heaven, right? And so there's, there's also three levels, and and you find this throughout throughout all the world where there's there's three aspects. Where, you know they always they always incorporate those three aspects of, of human beings, and that we can't separate uh, mind and body and spirit without death occurring, right? And so Trinity was was born from that, from from me just seeing uh, how it's really an all inclusive uh, uh, worldview. That, that we are uh, three distinct personalities within one within one body, and so that's that's why I came up with a name for that. I thought it was witty, maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, essentially, what what I do is I just I try to address uh, right now it's um, it, it's through massage. But I try to address the whole person. So we 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 do massage, we do lifestyle consulting. We base our lifestyle consulting around metabolic typing, and that that's a good link to, to post up uh, metabolic typing for on um, that, that that's all over your your site as well, right? So well, and I've studied I've studied metabolic typing, but studied several different, and I think uh, talking about the the process, the introspection, introspection, the resonance that we've talked about this entire time, it's metabolic typing may not be the end all be all for every person that you work with. Because each person is still going to have that that individual ties, and uh, so what about what about your nutritional habits? Whether even uh, if you're following metabolic typing, or if you blend that with some of the TCM, like is it, do you do you eat the same things on a daily basis? Do you 
blend that and morph it into what your body's really asking for at the time. What would you say that your eating philosophy is overall? Yeah, kind of, kind of both of what uh, of what you just said is. Uh, I, I strive for um, a routine when it comes to eating. I, I think that's most important is is to have specific eating times. You know, and the next guy is not necessarily going to have the same eating times as me, right? And so what I do is I try to just answer the call of my body, like eat before I'm hungry. Obviously, I don't I don't want to go into a hunger state unless I'm planning to. There might be an aspect of control that's associated with that, but that just came up. We'll think that one out later. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I I strive for routine. I mean, so in the in the TCM tradition, the spleen is the organ of digestion, so that the stomach digests. The stomach fire is what actually processes physically processes the food and digests does the digestion process the spleen takes what the stomach is digested and then turns it into usable energy or chi right um, and that's where that's how we develop chi post heaven so after birth it's through the, the stomach and the spleen's process of uh, transforming food and the spleen one of the one of the tenets of, of TCM in, in, in nutrition the TCM is the spleen likes routine Right? And so regular eating times is really important. If we start to grab and go kind of thing, uh, eat on the run or, or uh, you know, eat a lot of cold foods, that, that kind of encumbers the spleen is what, they, is what the, the classical books say in that it not prevents, but it, but it hinders the, the natural physiological process that's supposed to be going on. And so you'll find that. You'll find that it's uh, in, in, in Chinese culture, Everybody sits down and eats at the same time, first thing in the morning, and then, and then again they'll they'll all get together and, and everybody will stop and eat in the afternoon, lunchtime, and then everybody or the whole family will come together again and eat at dinner time. And so this regularity of meals is really important. Now, uh, actually, just had a professor this this past week who said uh, it's it's my job to try to get people to eat like a, uh, a, a medieval a medieval Chinese farmer right like that's <laughs> I have to get my, my my patients to eat like a 14th century Chinese farmer sounds and, like it could be a little bit challenging at times right yeah it is not the most palatable you know not the most palatable diet that you ever eat and not the widest range of taste but but honestly I think it's it's a good goal to have you know and so we can we can kind of modernize that too. Well, how have you modernized something like that for yourself then? Even so, for me, I'll just tell you just for me, uh, flat out, what what works best for me is one one large meal in the middle of the day, and and if I get hungry later on, I, I, I snack on maybe some nuts and some fruit and nuts, and but but that's what works best for me is, is I'll wake up in the morning and I'll have a coffee. How do you like your coffee? How do you take that? Anything in it? How do you brew it? What's the rundown? Just a little there? raw milk. Little raw, a little milk? raw milk, yeah, and I percolate it. Okay. Yeah. So I like the percolate. I like the taste that comes out of that. Uh, it's easier to control, and I don't, I don't like burnt coffee. So, just a little raw milk. Um, if there's no raw milk, I'll do, I'll do some butter. Mm -hmm. You know, butter in your coffee. Absolutely. Nothing better. But I think that bird wants some coffee behind you there. Oh yeah, can we edit him out? Sorry. It's all right. It's 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 all about the whole nature process of health here. We're good. Care, care control nature. Love it. 
Yeah, so so I'll wake up and just have some coffee, and uh, and I don't really get hungry. I don't really get hungry until um, until mid morning, and that's when I'll that's when I have just a, a, a big meal. And um, what might that consist of? Just some meat and veg. Yeah, yeah, pretty like, simple. Yeah, I like uh, anything that you can find. And now you know, being in the city, it's helpful to find uh, like a, a build your own salad bar. You know. And so I have a place right across the street from my school where you just, they have everything. They have uh, beef and chicken and fish and, and anything you could want. And it's, it's, uh, it's all, uh, it's called open table. So it's, it's based on, you know, sustainably farmed foods and, uh, and humanely raised animals. Um, and so I dig that because I can just run across, get a big pound and a half of, of of food, you know, and, and it'll and it'll uh, hold me over the rest of the day. Um, I do find that that in stressful times, which is uh, interesting. So you know, midterms, finals, uh, things like that, stressful weeks, is that I have to add a little bit more carbs in, and so I'll throw some rice in there too. Not just like straight white rice. You know, so put some white rice in there, and that, and that usually kind of gives me that little boost that uh, that I need to kind of push through the next. Four or five hours of being in the library, all by myself with my new wireless headphones in. Yeah. But again, because the brain's going to be just going through glucose like crazy at that point, because you are focusing, concentrating. I mean, just using it at such a rate, and that's great that you recognize that you're not you're not fighting it because it's oh I have to eat low carb or something like that. No, you say give my body what it needs depending on the stressful situations that I'm putting it through. Totally, yeah. And I think that's that's a good point because any any time that we kind of you know we can restrict ourselves by by not allowing ourselves to think outside of a box, right? And yeah, I, I would stay away from that, right? Uh, saying like, oh, what 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 happens if I if I add some rice in, and then seeing that even though this is outside what I generally would do, it, it actually helped me. It actually made me a more effective person, and so. What's wrong with that? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, okay, Tim. So you're you're a coffee guy in the morning. I get the feeling you drink a lot of tea too. I do. I like tea. How yeah. do you? Be, and I get that uh, because again, the Eastern philosophy that has its effect on you. Um, but what types of teas do you like? Uh, do you recommend any any specific teas for any specific situations? Like talking about stressful situations. Uh, what, will you use different ones for that then as well? Yeah. Uh, so so there's a lot of. Um, Herbal formulas that are that are really helpful in stressful times. Uh, stress is one of the things that damages your spleen, right? So, kind of overwork, overthinking uh, will will damage your spleen. In TCM, there's a there's a, an emotional component assigned to every organ. So your heart is uh, houses your your mind, and uh, and joy is the emotion that affects the heart. So, so joy will, will actually have an impact that can lead to heart dysfunction. So overjoy being, being kind of like too, too much joy, right? Which is, which is interesting because you'll find that people who laugh when things aren't funny often have cardiac issues. That, that is interesting. No, that, that's very good. And so that, that overjoy aspect. Grief is associated with the lung. Um, fear is associated with the, uh, with the kidney. Um, overthinking or pensiveness, right? That's associated with the spleen. 
And so when you get into these stressful times of, of intense study or, or you're not resting and you're, and you're thinking more than you're resting, you know, there's, I mean, that's a whole other tangent that we, could, that we could go to if we wanted to. Just Take down whatever of, rabbit hole you want to go. <laughs> so just the balance of yin and yang. And, and, and we've been talking about this a lot in classes lately of uh, modern society and and so young is, is expressive, it's energy, it's, it's outward moving, it's uh, noon is the highest time of young, where the sun is highest in the sky. So you can think in, that, so in terms of that, what's uh, young is associated with activity, right? Uh, yin is, is associated with rest and with kind of uh, anchoring yourself, right? anchoring your body and, and, and grounding yourself. Uh, right? Your feet are the most yin aspect of your body. And... Um, and midnight is the most yin time of the day. And so uh, we tend in modern society to overemphasize the yang, right? And so we, we look at sleep as kind of something to do until we get to the next day, right? Instead of actually embracing the yin time of the day and really quieting ourselves, which I know is something that you're really big on. Absolutely, yeah. And so, you know, that, that's... We're in total agreement there. Where, where, you know, after the sun goes down, let's quiet ourselves, you know, and let's 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 embrace let's embrace that aspect of human nature, where we have to rest and we have to uh, kind of kind of think back on the day, and review the day, and, uh, and 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 let ourselves just kind of be without checking the news to see what's going to happen tomorrow, or you know, trying to trying to. Get a last little bit of work in before we turn off the lights, and you know, trying to read that last article you know, on, on our smartphone before we before we fall asleep. You know, let's actually just embrace. You know, let's light some candles. And let's 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 not have any lights come from above. Let's have them all come from below us, and just uh, just embrace that aspect. Right? And you could say that just goes back to to uh, encompassing the whole the whole human, the whole person, right? Because traditionally that those were the times where the most spiritual development happened at times when the sun was down or before the sun came up. It was when in uh, ancient ancient traditions, like that, those were the prayer times. You know, you look at the you look at the Muslim faith and they, they, they rise before the sun comes up to have their first prayers of the day. And then they have like two, two or three more prayers at, at, at night after the sun goes down before they go to sleep. It was stressed a lot more. The yin aspect was stressed a lot more in ancient times than, than, than we do now. And I think that's something that we should probably get back into. How do you address the yin aspect in your, in your own nightly routine or morning routine or sleep routine at all? Like, is there, are there any practices that you follow to really embrace that? Yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't like TV. <laughs> you know, I, haven't, I haven't found anything on there that... It's actually worth sacrificing my yin time for. You know, there's, there's there's not really a whole lot on there that's worth it, and so I don't I don't really watch it. And that's probably the biggest thing, right? Because if you eliminate that, you put, you free up probably two hours of your of your night where it's just. Well, I would say even more. I I forget what the average American watches in TV per day, but I know that it's more than two hours even per day. So certainly you're the amount okay. of again that yin energy that restful state to really 
let the body recover is probably more than two hours, probably upwards of four to six hours even a day. Yeah. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen any, any stats, but that's, yeah, that makes sense, right? Yeah, and so I think just if we spent that time in, in relative uh, inactive or inactivity and, and just more of uh, active introspection, uh, we would be able to discern and, and perceive which which uh, aspects of our health needed the most uh, attention, and we'd be able to make the adjustments and make, and make it quicker. And, and and that's what I try to do. I I kind of I, I sit through I sit down and I and I think through the day and and uh, you know I'll, I'll read books. Right. Uh, what are you reading right now? I just finished a. Uh, so I I like I like to go with uh, with fiction. Uh, or at least at least novels, kind of kind of more uh, imaginative stories at nighttime, and uh, and especially to kind of balance the, the the massive study load that I that I go through, I like to access that that right side of my brain and the imaginative side when when that you know that left side that analytical side has been running on uh, you know full steam all day. I, I like to kind of tap into the other aspect and. So I just finished the book. Um, it was called Ali and Nino, and my sister gave it to me. It was really good. It was about uh, early twentieth century, yeah, early twentieth century uh, Azerbaijan, and uh, just before the the First World War. And it's a classic love story. You know, there's a there's a guy and a girl, and 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 they're in love, and then all these problems arise. You know, the the, the war breaks out, and She's Christian, he's Muslim, so their families are kind of against each other on that. And uh, it was it was extremely insightful, though. And and I just love I love any anything that takes me to a different culture, and allows me to experience that culture, if only in my mind and only for a little bit. I just feel like I learn so much more from what's what's outside of me than just existing in, say, like American culture and reading something about American culture. Obviously, I mean, you can you can learn there too, but uh, it's so foreign when when we think about the customs of, of, of other cultures and and man, I don't understand that at all. You know, that's uh, I would I, don't, I can't ever see myself doing that, but it works in that culture, and and uh, I think there's a beauty in that. I think there's, there's just a beauty in, in in each culture, inherent in each culture that that I love to experience. Do you so, have any other recommendations on, I mean, it could be on this book or maybe like one or two of your just top ones that you've explored that you really thought uh, did great job of opening you up to other cultures and what they have to share and what you can learn from them. So I did a, uh, I can't remember the, uh, the author's name now. And if not, we can always, if you, if you look it up after the show, we could get that in for everybody too. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a book on uh, Chinese culture, or um, it was ten, ten, ten words. Uh, it was a novel written by a. Um, he must have been in his forties. His forties. Yeah, he must have been in his forties. Uh, a Chinese author, and uh, it's kind of writing about the progression of living in or being raised in Maoist times, and uh, and how. Everything was about the go- everything was about um, uh, government and, and the revolution, and then how it kind of developed and uh, and modernized, uh, and how, how Chinese culture has modernized now today, while still 
attaching itself to those roots. And it was just, it was an interesting little glimpse into how oppressive it really was under, under Mao. Um, and, and you couldn't trust your neighbor not to turn you in if you got caught saying the wrong thing about the wrong person, you know. And that, that's very much still uh, alive in, in Chinese culture today, uh, this kind of mistrust. And, and yeah, I'll, I'll look it up. I'll, I'll look the book up. Uh, China in 10 Words is what it was called. China in 10 Words? Yeah, but I can't. So, yeah, honestly, I can't say I read that much because uh, mostly what I'm reading is what I have to read, and what assignments, you know. And so I usually do uh, some some kind of just daily devotional, something real quick. I read through the book of, book of Psalms is always good, you know. and about who God is and what he really does, um, which could take us back to, uh, to the idea of self-worth and uh, self-love. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if we can, uh, I, think, I think that, that lack of self-love uh, suggests that there's an orphan spirit in the world, right? And that people think they may not belong. And so these, these, these kind of spiritual guides, these, you know, could call them religious texts, yeah. But like the Book of Psalms, it's uh, really hammers in that we're that we're children, you know, and we're children of the Most High. And when we understand who we belong to, and that love will never stop flowing, it kind of destroys that orphan spirit you know, that we are children, and that uh, and that He loves us, and uh, and He's never going to stop loving us, regardless of, of, of what we do. Right? Love is love is just freely given. So uh, I, I like focusing on those on those aspects too. So, so now, do you see something like that where we can see a change within ten years, within a hundred years of really getting that spirit, that childlike spirit back? I mean, is that something that's possible? Do you see that as something that's growing in the world, or even what would need to be addressed to really get that back for everybody? I definitely think it's getting better. You know. I think a lot of people think it's going to get worse before it gets better, or, um, but I don't agree with that. I think, uh, honestly, I think it's a it's a shift in, in our perspective in, in the way that we view. I, th- I think it can happen in an instant, so, you know. It's already, in my mind, it's already the truth, right? Uh, like the kingdom is coming to earth is, is how I view it. And it's already here, actually. So it's already here. It's just, it's just a matter of, of recognizing what's here because it's not something that can be seen with the eyes necessarily right and so that yin time right that yin time is where we actually see what can't be seen with the eyes uh which is why that's so important you could argue overstimulated during the day right and everything's coming in and uh you know i'll be i'll ride on the train into the city into new york and and if i stop and talk to somebody they look at me like i'm weird you know because I don't want any more stimulation. You know, stop me. Don't talk to me. I, I have this that I'm doing, and and I don't want anybody else to talk. And that, that's kind of sad because we're losing that 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 community aspect, right? Um, I can understand you got to get your work done and whatnot. So it's not it's not a judgment thing that I'm that, I, that I'm going for here. Uh, I'm just saying as observation, if we talked more and we discussed more about what we've found out in our own lives and in our own hearts and what we've been given 
during those yin times and during those times of introspection, if we were, if we were uh, able to discuss that more, more people, I think, would recognize that the kingdom's already here, and they, and they would point back to the source. And we're, we, we're always meant to be in community. You know, we're never meant to be our own little islands. And I think that's because we, we help each other, we feed off of each other. Um, and a part that I'm not getting on my own can be supplemented by, by my next door neighbor, by my buddy, you know, by, by a friend of mine who said, you know, this is what I heard last night. This is what I discovered about myself last night. And you say, oh, that fits my piece, you know. And so I brought, I brought this piece of the puzzle here, and you bring that piece of the puzzle, and then and we actually have a whole, a whole puzzle, a whole picture that we put together because we're all unique pieces that, that have to fit. And without that interaction, without that community, our strengths are never able to fill in other people's weaknesses. So... Yeah. I think that's another beautiful balance of the, the yin and the yang there, where it's helping to complement each other uh, and fill that in for each other is just use, use what you have around you. It's, you're already next to those people every day, like share with each other. Uh, yeah. that's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's one of those uh, concepts that kind of surpasses understanding. You know, it's, it's almost, I don't, I don't like to use words like impossible and never, but it's, it's almost impossible to describe what that experience is like, you know, because something spiritual happens when, when you realize that, that you just, you became, you interacted with a person so that you could fill in a part that they needed. And then you walk away and you realize that you got a part filled in as well. And there was this, this kind of resonance and, and, and reciprocity that happened. And it seemed at random, right? Like I just bumped into this guy on the subway and, and just because we had a chat, this amazing experience, this amazing spiritual experience just happened. And, uh, and now I'm enriched for the rest of the day and now I can pass it on. And, you know, you freely you've received, so freely give, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It's, uh, kind of, uh, inexplainable at times. Very nice. Uh, so let's even, let's shift gears here. Uh, I want to know what is like your, f the best health related purchase you've made in the last year that was under 50 bucks, like something that you just bought for yourself. And it could be a physical product. It could be just, it could be food. It could be whatever it may be. Uh, what's something you bought that really just hit home and resonated with you? Well, I'm a student and a doctoral student at that. So all of my purchases are under 50 bucks. <laughs> we could have probably put that at 10 bucks maybe, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's see. I don't. I don't buy stuff all that often. I think what I maybe if I if I looked at uh, you know giving my time as sort of a currency. You know, I had so the best thing when I was out in San Diego. I had a neighbor who was uh, she ran a few of the farmers markets in the area, and so she organized all the farmers. And she's just an unbelievable woman with the amount that she accomplished in her day, and just like the grace that she did it with. And so her and I, she loved massages, and so her and I would barter, you know, and so I would do an hour and a half massage every week, and she would bring me all my produce. And so, you know, I never had to go shopping, which saved me my time and my money. And it was just the best deal. It was such a good deal that uh, neither of us were telling each other how good of a deal we really thought it was, <laughs> because we thought it might end at some point, right? If she finds out how good of a deal this is, she's going to stop, and 
And she was thinking the same thing. If he finds out how good of a deal this is, like, he's, you know, all I'm doing is picking up groceries for him and he's giving me a massage. That's crazy. And I'm going, man, all I'm doing is giving her a massage and she's giving me all my groceries. And uh, one way or another, it finally came out. You know, this is a really good deal. Uh, you know, I want to make sure you're getting the same, you know, feeling as that. Oh my gosh, I was I was thinking the same thing. I couldn't, you know, <laughs> I didn't want to say anything because I thought you would figure it out and stop. Yeah, I think that was just uh, just kind of thinking in total health. That was one of the best things that have, that's happened in the past year, because we we got that community. We got to interact every week, right? And and the food that she brought me was was so nutritious, right? And so full of uh, of love. Right, because it came from a farmer who did it because he loved it, and and it was given to a person who loved me for not for what I could do for it, but because of who I who I was, and just and just loved me as a person. And we got to interact, and a lot of things happened over the past year that that her and I were able to talk through on both ends, on her end and on my end. You know, and we were just able to kind of you know just be there for each other, and it was a it was a consistent thing that we always made happen. And uh, and that consistency in a friend, uh, and in, in someone that you can you can talk to, and they're not going to go talk to somebody else about it. Uh, I think it's great, right? And so there's all this love and acceptance and and just good chi that was in in this relationship, and uh, and so I think yeah, I would say that's probably the best health related thing because of how far that reached, how 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 impactful that was. I was able to interact with, with people better because I was nutritionally uh, uh, sound. And I don't. I can't say that I've that I've made many purchases. I, I I don't think you have to. I think that sums it up right there. That's even a better answer than the question even started off with. Like because you you just showed what you were talking about before that with just being on the subway, just that conversation of back and forth. But here it takes it further than a conversation because you get even almost that trinity because of the physical, like the massage and the food, but you get the conversation. I mean, you're getting this mental simulation you're getting, but then taking it beyond that, you said the chi that was just being exchanged there. Now, all of these things, like you're getting multiple levels rather than you could have said, uh, maybe the, the last book that you had talked about or something like that. And yes, it's going to be good, but it's almost limited to more of yourself. You could express that you did with us uh, on the show, but I feel like this connection seemed so much deeper uh, on that level of, of uh, again, just a purchase or an exchange with another human being. Mm. Yeah. So, Tim, I want to be respectful of your time. I don't want to keep you here all day, although I'm loving the conversation right now. Last question I ask everybody is, who would you want to hear on this podcast? And what would you want to ask them or what is something that you would want to learn from them or just hear them speak about? It's a good question. I think I kind of, I have a singularity in my mind these days, uh, being halfway through this program. I've figured out how to think only about TCM stuff, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> what I'm really digging lately, and it's a class that I started this term, and one of the reasons I came to New York this term was for this class. So there's the concept of divergent channels, and this might be a little... It's a little too in depth for me, actually, at this point. But uh, so there's, yeah, there's, there's a whole. When people think of acupuncture, they know that there's channels that these points lie on, and that's about as far as you can go conceptually at first, right? But as you get into it, there's, there's multiple channel systems. There's superficial channels, which 
deal with uh, just between the skin and the muscle, and and we can access those channels to uh, like to this this time of the year, right? So people are getting kind of sniffles and and they get a, a you, know, you know sore neck and and when it, when the seasons change, people tend to be affected by the weather and and it introduces pathogens into the body. Well, if we catch it within the first 24 to 36 hours, we can use those muscles or the channels that lie between the skin and the muscle to kick the pathogen back out before it ever gets any deeper that it's going to actually cause you to be in bed for two weeks, you know. And so that's one system. And, and there's another system that um, was actually outlawed in Middle Ages China. So in the uh, for probably close to 500 years in the, in the Song Dynasty, I believe, because it was recognized that you could, you could affect the constitutional level of the human being. So really what makes you, you, and what heaven has given you uh, before birth is the constitutional level. And through this system of what's known as divergent channels, it was recognized you could affect that constitutional level. And so it was outlawed because you weren't supposed to, human beings weren't supposed to be able to have an effect on heaven, right? And so it was this kind of religious mindset of, that you see in medieval Europe at the same time is man can't talk to can't talk to God without going through somebody else, right? And so it was outlawed because of that. Like so, no, that's that's a whole different even podcast probably if we want to get into how religion permeates all things. But I think you know, something we can certainly talk about in the future. Yeah, I think we should. That's a that's a good one. And so what what I'm what I'm studying right now is these divergent channels after the Song Dynasty after that kind of like uh, religious ruling. They, these channels were reintroduced, and so where I wanted to go with that was what what these channels actually do is they're not activated until disease arises in the body, so they don't exist essentially until a pathogen invades the body to a certain extent that it's going to be detrimental to the organism as a whole to the human being. Well, these channels then are created to divert. The pathogen away from the internal organs, and so you you'll find people with uh, arthritis in one joint, or or arthritis that bounces back and forth from from uh, different joints, or stays on one side of the body, like symptoms like that. It's these divergent channels that are actually taking uh, a disorder that that is going to affect an organ, and be detrimental to that organ, and they're diverting it into a joint where that constitutional level can can hold it and kind of imprison it because it's relatively safe to have an achy elbow or an achy knee instead of heart disease, right? Um, and so that's kind of this inherent wisdom that that that's that's within the body. And and funny enough, when uh, I learned about these just a few weeks ago, um, and I was first introduced to them, the next day I saw a Charlie Rose special on uh, on. PBS that my that my brother was watching, and um, the lady's name was Evelyn Witkin, and uh, she is a geneticist, a genetic researcher from uh, I think she was down in Princeton, maybe some something something Ivy League. But um, she's she, she's discovered these genes. I mean, this this lady is I think in her eighties, um, and she's brilliant, brilliant lady, and she's discovered these genes that are latent, essentially latent in our cells, and they're not activated until a disease arises. And so 
basically what they were talking about 2,000 years ago in these classics, that these channels turn on and they divert to, to the joints. This, this lady was, was talking about on a, on a genetic level and saying these genes are activated once disease arises in the body and they turn on to pull that disease away from internal organs and things that we need to survive. So that's that's an interesting thing that I'm that, that we're going through now. I have to do more research to give you a, a person to uh, to recommend. Maybe for I the could show. try try and see if I can get her on. Yeah, go for it, All Evelyn. Right. Evelyn Witkin. I'm not sure what she would say about the about the divergent channels. That would be really interesting. Yeah. The other thing that that's been interesting lately is um, bee sting acupuncture. Okay. Which sounds right up your alley. <laughs> and it's uh, autoimmune disease treatments. And so there's been some, I haven't been able to do the research on it to see what kind of studies have come up, but anecdotal for sure. There's been anecdotal research on uh, the effectiveness with MS, with diseases like MS. And um, it's uh, miraculous is probably not the best word to use when you're, when you're trying to talk scientifically, but there's, there's been some some pretty impressive uh, improvements in in patients, uh, even in the clinics that I, that I work in. I, I've never seen any of them, but I trust the people who tell me the stories. So, but yeah, just um, people coming in in wheelchairs, and nine months later, they're walking around in a cane with a cane. You know, in having a having a disease that they're not supposed to live for another year, but but they're up out of their wheelchair. So, basically, there's there's um, you know the idea that that we can we can uh, stimulate the immune system and we can boost the immune system using acupuncture and even more so using bee stings on the acupuncture site. So just a live bee that they would, that they put on the site or on the point and then it stings and I don't know the mechanism of it, but people get better. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll have to go uh, find, find a little, uh, find a few bees and see what, see what we can do. Yeah. And so one of the, <laughs> Yeah, let's take a video of that. I want to. I <laughs> Actually, maybe I'll come out and we'll, we'll do it together. That sounds fun. <laughs> but uh, the the professor that that was talking about that, he actually does uh, seminars on it, and his name is uh, Finbar, F I N B A R. Okay. And his last name is McGrath, uh, M C G R A T H. And uh, yeah, look look him up because he actually does seminars on it. There's um, you know the legality of it is is always a tricky gray area when you come into anything where the FDA is being when something know, alternative can actually work. Right. Yeah. So when 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 the people you know well, whatever when money is being cut right. out of people's hands, then you know that whole thing. So you know. The legality of it is kind of up in the air at this point. It's a state to state by state kind of thing. I'm sure you can you can do whatever you want in like Wyoming or whatnot. <laughs> you know? Here we go, everybody. Uh, let's go to Wyoming. Yeah, Wyoming is gorgeous, man. We I actually drove through there on the way back. You know, Wyoming gets like over 300 days of sunshine a year. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think they're looking to be kind of pioneers in the solar energy field out there. Hey, that's awesome. You know, that's, I'm all for that. Absolutely. Well, Tim, it's, it's been a blast having you on the podcast. And I, I think we could do a few more maybe on solar energy, on bee stings, divergent channels here, uh, the, the religion, everything. But uh, 
right now, where can our listeners find more about you? Where can, where can they follow your work? Anything that you're doing? So I have a uh, Trinity is the website that I have up. That's for Trinity massage. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a work in progress at this point, but yeah, it's, it's Trinity on, like Facebook on, uh, any other social media. Yeah, yeah. So uh, on Trinity Hill, you'll find links to, to Instagram, my Facebook, and yeah, I try to keep up on that. There's a blog on there. Um, the the latest blog, or actually the first, the inaugural blog, is on um, uh, self discovery, right? Self cultivation, and so just a little blurb about my ideas of self cultivation. Probably the most important thing when it comes to your health is is, is yourself. So I think uh, I think it's a good way to start off the blog. Well, but, that sounds um, great. Yeah, right now I'm I'm hanging in uh, in North Jersey in New York. So any any of your listeners there get get a hold of me if they're if they're interested in more. Next year I'll be back in in Diego, back in San Diego to finish up this doctoral program, and then uh, and then God, the world is my oyster. You know? it certainly is. <laughs> so everybody, make sure hey go check out trinityheal.com. I'll, I'll make sure to link to all this in the show notes. Uh, if you're in the area, hey, hit up Tim. It will be uh, take him out for lunch. He, he remember he's a poor doctoral student right now. He he needs some food here, uh, and again, only healthy food. That's that's all you're allowed to get him. But again, Tim, thank you so much for your time, and uh, it was great talking to you. Man, I had a good time. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to go check on your brain health by going over to the barenakedhealthpodcast.com and taking the free brain quiz. By doing so, you can get a free copy of my book, The Four Morning Secrets to Perfect Brain Health, shipped to your door. Also, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and a five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out and helping to share the podcast with others.